hey, man, that's a good fucking team. <laughs> like, Listen, as much as I hate the city of Boston, as much as I hate their fan base, uh, those scumbag rednecks over there, I, I really have a strong distaste for them as, as a sports fan uh, in city. Um, they have a good basketball team. I'll give them that. Their baseball team may suck. Their hockey team I don't really give a shit about because I don't know anything about hockey. Um, their football team sucks now. But their basketball team, Jesus Christ. Like, this is why when people say, oh, the Knicks have a chance at the finals, it's like I try to hold my horses in, like, the farthest I'll go in that conversation is like, yeah, they're a dark horse candidate. But even then, it doesn't feel right when I say that. Because this Boston team is just way too powerful. They're way too powerful. If the Knicks are fully healthy, they can maybe hang with them for six or seven games. That's it. Hang with them. I don't know that I see the Knicks ever beating this Boston team right now healthy until they make further additions to their roster. They have a deep team, the Knicks. But Boston, is a they're a bear. They have, you know what they have? This is something I've been preaching for two years now. They've got firepower, folks. So this is why whenever people tell me, oh, the homegrown guys, oh, stop buying players. and No, 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 no. Super started the fit, fit, fit. No, no, no. Fit. Fit will always, always be second to talent. You may not want to hear that. You may not believe that. But in modern NBA, talent wins. Superstars do win. And the Boston Celtics just have way too much firepower, which is why my main priority at this year's deadline was for, I wanted the Knicks to get somebody who they could use and flip this summer for that superstar. And that's why I was very happy with the Bogdanovich deal because he's got that kind of contract. They replaced Fournier's expiring money with Bogey. The Knicks need firepower. If the Knicks really want to be a threat to win a finals, to get to the finals, they need more firepower. They're going to need a second superstar next to Jalen Brunson. I don't care how much you love your homegrown players. Mitchell Robinson's probably the next one out because he's got a decent, decent enough salary to where he could probably be flipped for some assets to get that guy. You throw Bogey in that deal. The Knicks need firepower if they want to be in the same conversation with the Boston Celtics. That's where this conversation ends. Firepower. Boston has firepower. The Knicks don't have that caliber firepower. And all of a sudden, you're looking up, and this Knicks team, who've lost a bunch of their last, I don't know, six or seven, is it now? Five or six, six or seven? Kind of losing count. They're now two games, just two games, from the playing seed. They're two and a half from the eight. And I told you guys, like I told you, this is a team that I see finishing this year at best at the number six spot. I, I just don't have optimism. It's hard for me to stay optimistic because with these injuries, this Knicks team does not look like a top team. And it's just three guys now that we're missing. 
Now, the good thing is they've got a free win tomorrow. And I think I saw somewhere that nine of their next 10 games, uh, they're favored by ESPN. Take that as you may. So they have some chance to gain some ground again. But as of now, as we sit here, it is Sunday night, February 25th, the night after the Knicks lose to the Boston Celtics at Madison Square Garden. There are two games, just two games from that seven spot. Welcome to the show, episode three, uh, episode 632 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's get to it. Anthony for three. Okay, welcome to the show, episode 632 of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in to BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Getting right into it. The Knicks lose to the Boston Celtics, expectedly lose to the Celtics. 116-102 last night at the Real Garden. Um, yeah, we, we said it just now in the open. Boston's good. Um, the Knicks were unhealthy still last night. Without OG, without Randall, obviously without Mitch, Boston was healthy. And, you know, the first quarter was competitive. Brunson and Brown were both hot, going back and forth. The Knicks were down four after one. Second quarter, you got a jolt from Deuce McBride. Josh Hart had a couple strong takes to the basket at the end there, rushing the weak side and it's 62-58 at halftime. Boston's up. Game kind of ends in that second half. The Knicks have trouble guarding the three-point line in the third quarter. Not to mention getting obliterated in the paint all night. And all of a sudden, they enter the fourth down 97-84. And I started tuning out. I had the game on mute at this point. I looked up. I, I saw a possession where the Knicks just allowed like three, four, or five consecutive offensive rebounds. And I was like, all right, that's it. So I, I had it on, but I wasn't even paying attention enough. And so they lose 116-102. to 102. They get waxed. Uh, I don't know how long this episode is going to be. I can tell you right now it's probably not going to be very long. Um, I'm in Yankees mode. I'm slowly transitioning into Yankees mode, which means these episodes will be shorter, a little bit shorter until playoff time because this final stretch of the season doesn't have that same pop 
Come playoff time, when it gets closer to playoff time, we'll ramp up and we'll have longer shows, more detailed analysis like we usually do. But I'm going to try to keep some of these here and there shorter than usual. This is probably going to be one. Um, I also just don't have a ton of confidence in this Knicks team. Uh, ever since that Miami game, I've had trouble finding optimism. Um, the Randall game. You know, the rotations were tough. Tough last night. It's funny because Thursday night, Philly, we're sitting right here praising Tom Thibodeau for that small ball lineup, which was very switchable and had a great defensive fourth quarter. Won them the game. Last night, I didn't love the rotations that Tom Thibodeau ran with. I'm not going to fully blame him. You can't solely blame Tom Thibodeau. I'm sure Twitter is doing that right now as I speak because that's what they, it's what they do. But, like, Boston's a team. They have this roster, this rotation, where they can shoot, switch anything, rotate, rebound, etc. So anything, any kind of lineup combination that you try throwing out there, to counter whatever they're doing, whatever you do, you're sacrificing somewhere. You're conceding something. And I thought we saw an example of conceding when late in the game, Tom Thibodeau conceding defense. Like, throughout the game, throughout the game, like, there are moments where people wanted Precious. People also wanted Bogey. And that's really what it ultimately came down to. Deciding who to put out there between those two players. Because you had the Celtics just completely ignoring Precious Chua pick-and-pops with Porzingis on them. They were daring Precious into actions, daring him to shoot. Sometimes he shot it and he bricked. Sometimes he didn't. He would pass up a corner look, which he has to take. But he'd pass it up and the offense just became stagnant. So they had KP on Precious, but they switched everything else, 1-4. to four. And that just shut down the Nick offense. And then with Bogdanovich, they were just obliterating him defensively. They were forcing him to defend off the dribble, and he's got slow feet. Let's just be kind. They killed him as the weak side low man. Bogey was showing too high, overhelping from the weak side, just getting killed on back cuts. He had trouble picking up assignments. It was ugly. So what Tom Thibodeau did was double down concede defense for offense and he did that for a part of the fourth quarter so he chose between do I go with a good spacer who's also a poor defender or do I go with a good defender who's a very poor spacer now the good thing is this next team isn't healthy right now and if they're healthy OG and Anobi slides everybody else back into their roles and OG out and Obi is both a good spacer and a good defender at wing and at four. 
at the end of the day, Precious played 34 minutes, Bogdanovich 19 minutes. It was ironic because Precious, he was in there for defense and he had a rough time defensively. He was picked on. He's way too undersized. If he gave any space at all to Tatum or Brown, he was hurt. He's best in a switch defense, but it's tough to switch against Boston. And then Bogey, who was in there for his offense, gave you a lackluster offense. He had eight points, two of seven from the field. So, if you want to criticize Tom Thibodeau, you can definitely look at the first half of that fourth quarter when he put both Bogey and Precious at four and five together. I personally think the Knicks are way too small, one to three, to be able to go with Bogey and Precious in the front. Um, Josh Hart played another 40 minutes last night, and he had a good game. Tom Thibodeau wants the size out there. You know, but it's it's the it's the constant issues that I talk about. It's the shooting and spacing problems in the half court. When Hart's at wing and he's sharing the floor with Precious at four, and then you have Sims at five, that fucking hurts. It hurts Jalen Brunson. It, it, he has to work three times as much. I will say, again, Josh Hart had a good game. He was actually, t- and he's been taking and making his threes in these two games since the break. Which makes me think, other than podcasting with Jalen Brunson, I wonder if he worked on his release point and tweaked that, tweaked his set shot a little bit. But if he's knocking down threes like this, and if he's taking them with the confidence that he's been, it opens up so much for this offense. If he's just willing and he's connecting a little bit. And he's been attacking with the you know, the open space the defense gives him when they help off. He's been attacking that pocket and getting in the basket aggressively. Um, I I still feel like less is gonna less is always gonna be more with Josh. That's been our mantra with him for a while now. You know, I feel like Deuce McBride should have gotten some run there. He got. No minutes. He, he got no minutes in the third quarter. This was after uh, scoring nine consecutive points in that second quarter for the Knicks. But he doesn't play a minute in the third quarter, and this was a period where Boston went off for 35 points. They shot 72% in the period. The Knicks offense wasn't really doing much. Their defense was horrible. They couldn't find the right lineups. And again, even if they had the right match, like the... They didn't play smart defense. There was a lot of unnecessary switches, late closeouts, late switches. If the Knicks helped and doubled, Boston would find the open shooter. If the Knicks went single, they'd switch into a mismatch. If the Knicks had the matchup that they wanted defensively, they just make tough shots. Jalen Brown scored 30 points. I feel like the Knicks failed to take away his right hand. The guy's got no left. Didn't really force him left. I thought we should have hedged more to force him to go left. Thought there was some miscommunication picking up Brown when he comes across the timeline. 
Boston loves their offense. That's for a couple of years now. Even you know, the, despite the head, whatever head coach has coached them, they they do run a lot of Spain pick and roll. Tatum Brown, like they use Brown as the back screener to come up in the action, and they'll run those Spain pick and rolls for uh, for Chris Stapps. That was killing the Knicks. It was as if the Knicks had never seen a stack pick and roll before. Um, so, tough night defensively. I don't know what else to say. They're going to need more. You know, Jalen, Jalen Brunson is going to need some fucking help. And um, one of the guys who was supposed to help him is out right now with an injury in OG Ananobi. They brought him in. Julius is out. Is out. Uh, but the other two guys who were brought in here via trade have been a disappointment, to say the very least, right now. Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks, they've had negative net rating since being Knicks. Um, the Knicks are consistently losing those minutes. I'm getting a little tired of it, frankly. Um Again, Bogey's defense has been very below average. Alec Burks' defense has not been great. It's more about Burks' offense that's been frustrating a lot of Knicks fans. The constant chucking and the out-of-rhythm field goal attempts. These directionless isos. Now, I'm still not super concerned about this because... These are two guys who probably aren't going to play much in the playoffs. As I've said before, they were required to just help the Knicks get through the regular season, which, granted, they're not really doing a great job of right now. But come playoff time, if the Knicks do make a playoff spot, they're probably not going to play a ton. Alec Burke's role will likely be as a weak side spot-up guy, as a kick-out option on a pick-and-roll. As a corner spacer. Uh, Brunson's going to be getting, what, 43 minutes a night in a postseason series? So Burks is going to get spot minutes. I would not be surprised if Boyan Bogdanovich picked up a couple of DMPs, sat a few fourth quarters, because he's just simply unfit for Tibbs' system. He's not a defensive player by any means. But, you know, I would say that like I'm, I'm going to be keeping an eye on these guys, Bogey, Burks, even Precious, the rest of the way to see how they look. But really, like the 28 other teams are irrelevant. It's against Boston where I feel like they look like bad matchups. I feel like Bogey is very easy to expose against Boston. I feel like Precious, as good as he's been, is very easy to to expose against a team with the size and skill of the Celtics. So they need they need to get healthy, man. And Jalen Brunson, <laughs> Jalen Brunson's been busting his ass, and he had another quiet thirty four points last night. So let's give him the game ball from the Knicks side. Bing bang. 34, 9 assists, shot 12 of 25, 
four of nine from three. He now has 24 game balls on the season to lead the Knicks by a wide margin. I was kind of shocked with the way Boston schemed him. I was totally expecting them to bring a blitz, trap, maybe some box in one. Didn't really get that. For most of the night, it was single coverage, drop coverage, some zone, but they were mostly in drop. You know, and I guess they wanted the rim protection because you saw that that stat a, a couple nights ago where Brunson's been like among Zion and Giannis in terms of points in the paint the last month. So they're trying to protect the basket. But, you know, with Porzingis and drop coverage, I mean, Brunson and Precious were working those pick and rolls very effectively and he was getting what he wanted. How do you beat a drop coverage? You pull up. You get into the paint, you use a floater, shoot the mid-range, pull up. Use that space to your advantage. And that's what he was doing. The Knicks have been running uh, quite a few of those empty side pick and rolls for Brunson lately to you know, take away nail help. They were using cutters to take away wing help on the penetration, take away weak side help at the basket. And in the very few moments where Joe Mazzula did bring KP up to the level, well, Brunson just took him on an island in ISO. You know, and if they trapped, he'd found the guy at the basket. But Brunson's just so good to where he's going to score his 30. Any other team last night, that 34 becomes probably a 54 because Brunson's just Brunson. But Boston has a very smart half-court defense. And you saw last night at moments where if you pay close attention, if you rewatch film like a nerd, like me, like myself, double switches, early switches, quick reads to eliminate Brunson from matchup hunting Porzingis. Yet Porzingis directing Jalen Brown to switch. And if they made that switch, the Knicks tried to counter it, but then Boston recountered and they switched again. It was just very smart defense if you watch some of the film from last night. Making sure Brunson didn't get that matchup advantage. But he's so good, he still winds up at 34. Um, Deuce McBride. I'm going to give Deuce McBride the other game ball. Good for Deuce. 11 points, 3 rebounds, 1 assist. 71%, 50% from 3. He now has 10 game balls on the season. Yeah, I wish we saw a little more of him in the second half. We didn't see a minute in the third quarter. I was a little confused by that. But what are you going to do? And I think, like I said, this is going to be a short episode. I think that's all we got. I don't know if I have anything else to add. I kind of want to... Wrap this up so we'll head to break, get back with our trivia, and if I think of anything else I want to give my input on, I'll add it. But that might be it. Episode 632. Quick one. Um, 633 will most likely be Yankees. Talk about the spring training games that we've been, that we just saw. There are about there are three games in. They had a split squad game today. They opened up yesterday. 
talk about that. Soto, Jones. But that's it for this one. Let's head to break, wrap it up with our trivia when we return. Stay with us. Hey there. Thanks for listening in so far. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Thanks so much. You can follow us on social media as well. On Instagram, we're at BD4Pod and at Rob J. Carbone. On X, we're at BD4Pod and at RJCBD4. And on Facebook, we're BD4. If you're interested in our website, just go to www.bd4blog.com. You can subscribe to our blog on there right on the front page. Just like on the podcast, we cover Yankees, Knicks, and MMA. Also on our website are the links to the different platforms for the podcast. Thanks so much. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Thanks for listening to BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA, Yanks every series, Knicks every game, and MMA on occasion. Okay. Welcome back to the show. Episode 632 of BD4. The Knicks expectedly lose to the Celtics, so we just got to hope they get healthy. Hate playing that game because it never goes as planned as we're seeing right now. Randall's still up in the air if he's even going to return. How is he going to look when he returns? He's a physical player. That shoulder is going to require some maintenance. It's going to be hit. Very easy to re-injure, and maybe he then has to get surgery. If you match up against a dirty team like the Miami Heat, you know they're going to use that. Ojanalobi seems to be on schedule. That's a positive. They need him so much right now. Their defense has just fucking vanished without him. Mitchell Robinson, I guess that's still kind of up in the air. Seems like he's trying to come back. Isaiah Hartenstein, he's playing. Looked better last night. Still not the iHeart that we saw for most of the season. And I'm worried about the Achilles. So, yeah, man, I'm kind of slowly transitioning to Yankees mode because I just don't have the utmost confidence anymore in this Knicks team like I did 
every single second of it. For that Miami game, man, I was on a high. I was enjoying the shit out of that game. Four minutes and change remaining. Randall on the drive. Lands badly. Kevin Love. And now he's fucking out. And that was my whole thing at the beginning of the season. I said, well, if Randall goes down, this team's fucking cooked. And I really do believe that. If he's done, (laughs) why am I watching? The guy's good. So, hard for me to invest in this team. I just don't think they have a legitimate shot anymore. It seems like it's inevitable. It seems like people are still trying to hold on to hope, but like they know deep down in the back of their heads, this ain't the year. We'll see. Let's get to our break. Okay, so for our trivia question tonight, how many regular season wins shy are the Knicks from 200 versus the Celtics all-time? Two, five, ten, or more? How many regular season wins shy are the Knicks from 200 versus the Celtics all-time? Two, five, ten, or more? All right, so one final time, our NYY NYK MMA trivia question of the day for episode six uh, six thirty two. How many regular season wins shy are the Knicks from two hundred versus the Celtics all time? Two, five, ten, or more. That's it. Appreciate you all tuning in. Episode six thirty two of the podcast is in the books. Again, I'm your host, RJ. Thanks for stopping by. I'll see you in 633. We'll be talking most likely Yankees in 633. Detroit Pistons coming up next, so that should be an easy win. I don't know how much we're going to have to talk about in that game, but a win's a win. So hopefully they uh, do what they absolutely must do. That's it, fellas. Thank you. I'll see you then. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees! And go Knicks.